Kia ora, welcome to How to Save the World. I'm here in a stunning location today in Whangaroa, Raglan, and um, our topic today is parakori, and feeling very privileged to be here with Jackie Forbes. Uh, kia ora, Jackie. Kia ora. Uh, Jackie's the general manager of parakori, um, meaning zero waste. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Kia ora, kia ora Waveney, kia ora Tim. Uh, no mai haramai ki tēnei wahi, e kia nei uh, ko kareo i te maunga, ko whaingaro te moana, uh, ko tainui te waka, uh, no taranaki a hau, no Ngāti Tama ki te tauihu, no Ngāti Whawhaki a hoki a hau, uh, no Ngāti Paua, no Ngāti Mania Poto hoki, no reira uh, tēnā tātou i tēnei ahi ahi. So yeah, I was just saying uh, welcome to to Whaingaroa and the pipiha of this um, rohe. So let's start with uh, parakore because I know that's been a big part of your life for 20 years? More like 10. 10, yeah. 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 So I started here at Extreme Zero Waste uh-huh. as an education so it's, it's waste and education that's been in your life for that long. Yeah. 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 And then, um, so Parakori started in, was it around 2010? Yeah, we became an incorporated society um, in November um, 2010. So we've just got been running uh, for 10 years now. Great. Well, congratulations. Time Thank for a birthday party. Um, and what is it, for those of us who don't know? So uh, the purpose or the value of Parakuri is to educate and advocate from a Māori uh, worldview for a world without waste. So it's a kaupapa that's based on whakapapa to Ranginui and to Papa Tuanuku. Is it particularly marae based or is it for anywhere? We um, started with a mission of by 2020 all marae in Aotearoa will be working towards zero waste. Um, as we began to work with marae and support them to, to reduce waste and to do things differently, we started to get requests from kohanga reo, from schools, from workplaces, from community organisations, from events, just asking, oh, can you come and help us? And so we quickly realised that it wasn't actually going to be possible to work solely with marae and that we were going to be working with marae and other um, other places, really. So you guys started small, I imagine. How many hours or how many staff did you have when you started? Well, we were part-time, and so it was myself and Penny Campbell. And we, uh, we it was a pilot project with three marae, uh, Poihākina marae, Tūranga Waiwai in Ngāruwahia and Kirikiriro marae in Hamilton. Um, so we were just like part-time like there, there wasn't really a job it was, so, yeah. <laughs> so two part-timers taking it was just like world. some <laughs> hours really yeah. yeah and now I mean 10 years isn't long um, you've you've got 449 marae participating in the program yeah we've probably got closer to 500 and that's marae organized that's everyone yeah. um, and we've probably got around 220 marae so we estimate that we're almost at working with a quarter of 
Samurai in Aotearoa. Wow. Mm. Well done. Thank you. That's amazing. And um, th- and the goal is to be able to work with all marae and, on, and that journey towards zero waste. Yeah, all marae and, that are yeah. interested yeah, yeah, because yeah. Um, obviously marae make their own decisions about mm. what they want to mm. do. So, mm. yeah. And um, how many participants would you guys have had through Wānanga events, festivals? That's it's something you count? Yes, we do. And um, we have a dashboard with that figure. Uh, your The dashboard figure you've got on your website is um, about half a million people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's an impressive yeah. sounding number yeah. for such a small country yeah. that you guys have, have connected with over half a million or around mm. half a million New Zealanders in this um, mission towards zero waste parakori. Um so yeah so you guys have been in this space doing some pretty amazing stuff it's another great whangaroa or raglan story of uh, starting small community based some crazy locals just deciding to get in there and do something and then um, with same with similar projects there's actually been this national influence so how would you describe Parakori to someone that's never heard of it? We provide grassroots education. So what that means is that uh, we have a program, a waste education program that we deliver. So we give presentations, um, people sign up to the program, we provide workshops, we set them up with equipment and then we provide them with ongoing support and mentoring, whether it be to... Um, implement and learn more about composting or where it be whether it's about researching what the alternatives are so that they can eliminate some of the waste streams that they f- have found out that they're generating because Marae have hundreds of people through Anahui some massive events and all just volunteers mostly eh? yeah always yeah okay okay yeah Always. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you've got these volunteers d- doing hard out catering, and um, then there's the waste at the other end of that, and that's where you guys come in. And, and when you say you're providing resources, it's like the wheelie bins, signage. Yeah, and I guess we our. Our dreams are for the top of the cliff so that we are actually working with the marae on what's coming into the marae rather than just being at the bottom of the cliff and, oh, we've got all this stuff. Like single-use disposable plastic <laughs> plates or, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, those aren't too common on marae, but, you know, still, you know, dealing with the stuff after it's been generated, um, you know, we much prefer working at the other end where we're thinking about, um, how can we source what we need for this hui um, using the waste hierarchy, using principles of reduce and reuse first um, so that there's less recycling and there's less waste. Nice. Now I'm speaking with Liz Samway, uh, and we're going to be focusing on Raglan Community Food Resilience. Welcome, Liz. Welcome, Wave. Yay! Um, Liz, you are Whangaroa Environment Centre, one of the founding members and community committee member, and Organics 
team leader of the Extreme Zero Waste um, project here, which is curbside re recycling of food waste and... Garden waste? Garden waste yeah. and composting it. Yeah, but also anything organic that we want to consider. So that's why we've given it the organics umbrella. Like so what? Could, in, could include in the future fish waste, oh, nice. could include, yeah. there's a lot of other organic waste yeah, out there. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so you're sort of looking at a catch-all solution. Mm. Nice. Um, so mm. you've been across a lot of projects and I just thought I, you're a great person to talk about this idea of food resilience. Firstly, I don't know much about what is food resilience like. Can you just explain it for us? I, I think food resilience is giving people and communities the power to um, control the food that they eat and the quality of the food and the security of the food. The security of it. So mm, I guess for element. me having grown up in the 80s, 90s, you know, it's it's something I've never experienced. It's always been food coming from goodness knows where. Mm -hmm. um, and then with something like COVID, suddenly for the first time I'm thinking about, oh, well, what if there's no food in the supermarket? Where does our food even come from? Mm. Um, so like food resilience is like the idea, like the ultimate would be Raglan just supplying its food needs. Is that the idea? or Some of, yeah. yes. So it's a it's a journey of exploration of what we can sustain ourselves with and, you know, interesting reflecting and hearing stories of people, you know, Māori people 150 years ago and even our um, ancestors, they did sustain themselves from their local yeah, so they production. Had this, they, they were perfectly food resilient. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they, so we know that it, it can be done. Yeah. They didn't have such a sophisticated diet as we do, you know, and mm. unseasonal fruits and veggies. Yeah. And they had to do lots of preserving. Yeah. Um, so we're not, you know, I guess we don't want to turn the clock back. Yeah. But it's an exploration of how, how much we can sustain ourselves. And, and why is it important? Like, why not just carry on at the supermarket? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's financial reasons. Um, in in Whaingaroa, um food is expensive. Fresh fruit and vegetables are it's often more the case expensive. in rural areas. Yeah, yeah. because of transport. Yeah. Healthy, nutritious food. I think people are understanding that mass-produced fruit and veggies have a whole raft of health issues. Plus, they don't taste that great. Yeah, so yeah. And then when the things tra even if they were full of nutrients, mm. by the time they travel, often mm. around the world, mm -hmm. uh, those, those nutrients mm. get lost pretty quick, eh? Yeah. And they're okay. not picked ripe. Yeah. So there's a huge... So by, by, by increasing your food mm -hmm. resilience, uh, by upping the, the local amount of produce, you're mm. connecting it with, with health, well-being. Yeah. Um, and does it help the local economy as well? Yeah, exactly. It creates all kinds of connections, and that's a connectivity uh, for me, reflecting and looking at what's happening in our community. It's human connection around food this whole social aspect of food that is part of our, our whole being that we've ever been, you know, mm. as we mm. connect through mm. food and, um, and history and story and knowledge mm. and our connection mm. to the environment. Mm. Like when people start growing food, they, they have 
you know, they establish a connection with the environment and they suddenly start to understand a whole lot of other issues that are going on. You know, they, yeah. they yeah. might be more aware of climate change because they'll experience weather conditions, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. they might not otherwise notice. Yeah, and I think, you so know, everybody who gardens will say uh, that suddenly they've got this appreciation for the first time of mm. realising, like, you know, what half a cup of sesame seeds might mm. mean or... Beans or Yeah, something. or rice or any of that <laughs> stuff, you know. Yeah, if you manage sure. to grow anything, you're so proud of, like, this half jar yeah. of your yeah. harvest, yeah. which you realise is one meal and you've still got yes, 365 exactly. days. So, yeah, what, what sounds mm. like... Sounds like Raglan situation, which was pretty reliant on industrial global food supply networks working well, would be... Um, pretty typical of most New Zealand towns or probably most towns globally especially westernised places so you guys would have connected in with Raglan naturally the town plan and mm. talk us through like some of the the responses that that the communities had to the the issue of food resilience. Mm. Well um, there's been a lot of work being done and the, the Raglan Naturally project um, was wonderful because it, it gave the community the chance to come together and talk about all of these issues all together and to actually have a look at who's been doing what and um, where we want to go in the future and, again, which is maybe which agency we... Mm. or not agency, organisation within our community. Who are the groups that have the track record, have the passion and will go forward? So... Um, that so was good lot, reinforcement yeah, for yeah, WIC, nice, yeah. WIC because um, Reckon actually said, you're strongly in the food space. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh, we were actually recognised because a lot of the work we do is quite small scale. We're not, we haven't rolled anything huge out. So what are you doing? What are we doing? Yes, well, we've long had a seed library or a seed bank. Um, we've recently that's like I hadn't thought about that like such yeah. an obvious thing for resilience is to yeah. save your seeds yeah yeah. so that's that's becoming more and more popular lots of gardening is it workshops. a free swap people bring their seeds and um, we've been doing swap and also just helping people access heirloom seeds as well at an affordable mm. price mm. so buying bulk heirloom seeds and dipping them up nice. as well nice and getting them out through getting the them out and then yeah. encouraging so we we have crop swap, yeah. which is flown independently, but came via the Environment Centre. And what is crop swap? So crop swap is amazing. I love crop swap. Mm-hmm. It's just a pop-up swap community swap activity. Is it regular? Yeah. So it's every fortnight. Yeah. And people just come together with their spare surplus produce and just have a massive swap and it's all over within an hour so it's a Sunday morning so like at my place at the moment we've got too many leafy greens yeah nothing no root vegetables or whatever yeah where our citrus is just running out so I could take my leafy greens along and hopefully get some lemons hopefully and that and again you know when you go to swap you also get an appreciation of what other things you could be growing, um, you might pick up some seedlings. Yes. So it's not strictly stuff that you can eat, it's also other associated yeah. items with food production and gardening. Great. So yeah. people have been making paper pots oh, wow. and bringing those along, um, preserves, 
Um, Great. Well, we've got a similar one in my hometown, Matakana, and Mm -hmm. uh, I like to go for the social Mm -hmm. aspect, Mm -hmm. and especially if you're new in a town, um, it's a really great way to connect and get to know people. And so I was sort of using it as a, you know, reason to meet people. And then I felt that I couldn't, one day I just didn't have anything I felt like I could swap, so I I went and grabbed some of our bamboo. And... Just, yes. I thought, oh, this is a bit cheeky. Chopped it down. Everybody yeah. loved it. it was, yeah. Oh, tomato steaks. Yeah. Oh, perfect timing, Waveney. Mm. And um, I was like, oh, that's a, mm-hmm. that's a surprise. So, yeah, I guess it's like looking at your resources mm. and then just um, seeing what you've got, yeah. which is such a cool way of um, getting out of that commodified, like off to exactly. my 10 all the time just yeah. to buy some sticks that you might want in your garden. Okay, so you've got, you've got the seed-saving crop swap. Crop swap's kind of gone off on their own. They've got their own guardians. And Great. so, but they're still an affiliated yes. project. Yes. Community gardens. Okay, tell us about that. So we have two community gardens. Um, one is nice, safely secure behind the police station <laughs> on this beautiful soil. So no one steals those veggies. Yes, protected. <laughs> but people are actually welcome to um, harvest if they need, yeah, yeah. respectfully. Yeah. So that's, um, again, a lot of our projects have guardians. So mm. we've, we've um, there'll be a project manager who's paid and then, then a little group of guardians and um, then volunteers. So that's quite a um, nice model. Mm. Works quite well. Mm. So the guardians mm. know what's going on on a day-to-day basis. In community gardens, it's a concept that I think a lot of people are familiar with, but mm. I bet more people have heard of it than have actually been involved. Yeah, um, yeah. Who would be a good candidate to turn up and help out or be part of a community garden? Well, people with time, time-rich people, mm. but we've managed to engage families with kids, you know, in the, in the afternoon after school. And what are people getting out so of it? We're, we're, they're learning. Yeah. So because there's learning opportunities, there's lead sessions down there with composting and how to grow seeds and mm-hmm. um, collect save seeds. So yeah. it's a focus yeah. for our in-the-garden learning. Yeah. And it does take... A, a little bit of organising and creating a system that works. Mm, mm. I don't think this one model fits all with community gardens. Mm. I think it's an organic thing and people just have to work together and figure it out how they want to run it and who has access to the crops. It's, it's definitely a bespoke. And we also have a, um, a community orchard, which is wow. something a bit different perhaps. People can a, just go and harvest Yeah, in a public... Want space so in one of our parks it's um, cool yeah well, it used to just be a park and yeah, the community a, said hey we want mm-hmm. to have an orchard how awesome yeah but it's been the, the the use and the care of the trees that's been very enlightening that actually the community do respect the trees they're not broken yeah they're not being i've that's, just been interested to see yeah without any rules being laid yeah. down yeah just just the co-papa of this is our Orchard, you yeah. know, please respect yeah. that people have respect. That's really cool. Mm. So things are sort of, if we're starting to knit together, quite a few, these all add up, don't they, all these little mm. projects. So you've been working with the Ministry of Social Development on a food resilience project, is that right? Something I don't know much about it, but it sounds pretty exciting. Yeah, well, we, you know, we have this work stream through the Environment Centre called Backyard Banty, which is all about 
Because through projects you've been all these yeah. little projects, all these little community initiatives, and then after COVID, uh, we saw um, a funding opportunity with Ministry for Social Development to um, look at food resilient, resilience in our community. What do you mean, look at? Are you sort of s- look at? Well, studying? Yeah, scope out research. What it means? How is it? enacted and what is needed. Whaimara as a case study. And I then, think that's yeah. what the idea yeah. is, is yeah. to... Um, is it a gap analysis as well? You're going to be able to yeah. look to see... Yeah, so it's great because there's a lot, lot of initiatives here. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of individuals doing things in the space. COVID, um, lots of people stepped up to, to support each other with all types of food, from supermarket food, surplus to homegrown. That's cool. Know, there was a, and is there a market here? Uh, there's a monthly market which has some food included, so it's called the creative market, Yeah. Um, so that people do bring food products down. There is no, no farmer's market. market, so we have the crop so, swap, yeah. which is pretty big, like up to 70 people swapping. What? <laughs> Wow. Yeah, so it's it's almost like a mini mart. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's amazing. So no farmers market, but But there is this it's been a fortnightly actual free market, essentially. Yeah. Seventy people yeah. all swapping, swapping stuff. So I think it's a lot to do with momentum of growers as yes. well, you know, of of act- activity to have enough yes. local food to start a little market that's dedicated to fresh food. And then the the other big thing project that I wanted to pull out is uh, what is happening in Raglan with people's food and garden waste that's just a little bit different to most mm. other places <laughs> in the world or yeah. certainly in New Zealand. Yeah, so um, it's all connected. Yeah. And Extreme Zero Waste has rolled out a food waste community, food waste collection and processing. So what we've been endeavouring to do is create a closed loop system of um, nutrient cycling wow. and economy wow. in our community um, using resources that we have in our community. So in the organics area at the moment, it's food waste and green waste, nice. garden waste. So if we take sort of a little analogy of like, say, you've got a, a garden and you you want to you want some fertilizer or you want mm. it to grow really really well so it needs some inputs um, so the the ultimate thing would be if you could cycle the nutrients around because mm. the garden provides nutrients you could you could have nitrogen fixes whatever and uh, ideally you could eat from it and it would all just keep going round and round but in reality that's not what happens for most people at all we ship in nutrients and so it's not a closed loop and then you scale that up, and it's exactly what you're talking about for the town. It's like rather, so there's been a, a this journey for nutrients where you're shipping them in mm. and then landfilling them or just missing that opportunity. And so you guys are actually trying to have this closed mm. loop on a community scale mm. where you're not having to bring in nutrients. You're actually using or creating yeah. nutrients from your waste stream. Yeah. And then using that, you talked about circular economy? Yeah, because it's, it's part of our um, economic model for extreme waste as well. So 
We are trying to create local employment as well out of something that's perceived as a waste mm. and um, stimulate other activities. So, mm. you know, hopefully the compost enables people to think about growing bigger mm. scale. Mm. Um, so we haven't, we haven't formed, we've got a few food growers in Raglan, just a couple, but we haven't yet formed a, a functional relationship yet with them. Yeah. But there's, all of our compost is sold in our community. None of it goes out side as far as I know unless it's sneakily in the back yeah. of the book yeah. <laughs> might buy some today yeah. but it, it's I'm stoked this is our third growing season yeah and our demand has gone up and up and up brilliant and this year we're, we're so you had to put yourself we out produce. there and basically lead first and then create the yeah. demand has so come on there's a bit of a, a leap of faith yeah <laughs> Well, just for it to be um, utilised too mm-hmm. and, and not for it to be um, landfilled or shipped yeah. off somewhere yeah. else to some other community to mm. be composted. Yeah, so we want it to be used locally. We would love to have it involved in a, used in a local food system Yes, where people can see. It's a great vision. Yeah, but yeah, it's very interesting that when people start gardening also they, they do learn about nutrients and as, so long as they're not buying chemical fertilisers um, you know, they're learning that actually you do need a lot of phosphate, okay. yeah. phosphorus yeah. And, yes. and nitrogen and yeah. potassium minim- at the minimum in order to grow your garden and maybe what you make even what you would make with your own, if you compost your own scraps, is not enough. So you need to be super resourceful. Mm. And, and that's my journey, mm. actually, of growing, is that suddenly realising that... Everything's a resource. Everything's a resource, and you start... The sea I'm sure you do that. Yeah. You see things yeah, you on the side of the road. Like, oh, I've, I think I'll do you have a bucket that. in the back of your car for dead possums? Bags, <laughs> buckets. Yeah. I love that idea of this, of a community-scale closed nutrient loop Mm. so for people who might be inspired by this and wanting to start something similar in their uh, home place um, is it some possible difficult thing some crazy thing you've managed to do or do you think it's scalable and Uh, yeah it's scalable up and down Um, I think again you have to design systems that suit your community you have to look really closely at um, distribution of the houses in the community, um, what kind of transport would be involved, and then design a system around that, around the, mm. the physical. So it takes a bit in terms of the, you need a bit of infrastructure. And... Yeah, I think it's really important to design a system that, that suits. Who would be good to talk to? Well, the Zero Waste Network we're starting to design a little training program um, around this kind of thing. Excellent. And I bet they'd be really well-placed, because they're a nationwide network, aren't they? Um, We were talking about them earlier. They're really well-placed to help people understand who else is doing things in their community as well. And Wastemans also. like um, I'm on the Organic Sector Group, which is a great group of Mm. um, keen people across the whole industry. So I get to mix it with the... Kick it with the big boys. Right, yeah, so that's Wastemans, the sector... They've um, also been talking about that. How, How do you decide, how do you design a system? So I will mention here that I strongly go back to my permaculture training. Um, I think 
a permaculture approach to designing food waste systems is a really great way, really great approach, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm not into transporting food waste long distances. Mm. You know, I think that's flawed. And in order to, you know, sometimes the infrastructure is people have jumped on food waste systems without thinking about appropriate um, methods of processing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas mm-hmm. we, we took quite a long time designing our system. We had local in but more, mind. But more holistic. Holistic, yeah. yeah. We had that end product in mind yeah. as well. Like we weren't just trying to solve the problem of food waste mm-hmm. as a problem. Mm-hmm. For us, it was an opportunity. You know, we recognised it as a resource and we wanted to make the best use of it as possible because of, that's the way extreme waste <laughs> approaches waste. <laughs> Um, whereas maybe councils don't always think in that way, but communities do. So it's really great when communities can get involved in the design of their projects. Mm. So today we have a council come to us and they're really interested in taking on food Mm. waste and they've got members of their community with them today. Right. And we will be encouraging them to work together yeah. to design a system that works for their district. Mm, mm. You know, that these are some of the key, there'll be key mm. things to consider. Mm. So um, transport, market, and markets, um, you know, there's a whole range of things that can be checked in. Yeah. Well, mm. thank you very much, Liz, for your time today. And... Um, I can see, I mean, it's amazing that right, even today there's a group coming to check out what you guys have been doing mm-hmm. and um, just to have that example that's worked and growing um, and flourishing is um, it's not just inspiring for people but it's also just the practical things that you've worked out that people are able to use. So mm. thank you for You're being welcome. out there in front, putting yourselves out there and yeah, creating yeah. this. You're holding that space for us, yeah. I think, for us to be able to emulate. Hi guys, it's um, great to have you here. So um, we are catching up now with David and Claire Wimmer and um, these amazing people are our hosts where we've been doing the interviewing um, at Raglan, Whangaroa and um, we're here uh, because you're our friends uh, but also because you guys have got an amazing permaculture property and I was really interested to just sort of finish things off I guess with we've been talking to all these legends doing all these amazing things in Raglan and how you guys are reflecting what it is to to live a lifestyle that is um, sustainable and what it's like to live in a community and bounce off all these cool things that are happening so anyway welcome it's lovely to have you you welcome here too <laughs> yeah we're <laughs> welcome your house. <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks for the welcome. Yeah. Um, so, just to give people a sense of um, what you're doing here, um, do you want, should we just sort of have a, a wee think through? Like, I know, for example, you've got rabbits, which is that you that you didn't eat. Um, what else? Chickens. Yeah, we've got uh, the chickens and uh, free range chickens and sheep's. Yep. And then, of course, our pets that uh, you know will take care of us and we take care of them the cat and the dog you've got a huge garden yeah so um, 
We have different gardens. So we have a garden that's right out in front of the house, um, which is our kind of main crop garden. And then I have little small example gardens around the property, one that would kind of be at a like in an urban situation, small, compact, yeah. Yeah. And then I also have a, I'm doing some testing of um, growing tomatoes with Oyas, which are um, porous pots. So um, Mm. we'll do a study through the... Yeah, you guys do a lot of experimenting here. Last night we had an amazing fire, uh, which wasn't just any old fire. It was in a pit... Yeah, making biochar and charcoal for our barbecue. Mm, amazing. So that was pretty fun. And then oh, it was interesting how you dried oranges and uh, the peels and were throwing those in. Why? Well, just to, to add some extra, you know, the different... Minerals. Minerals and uh, yeah. potassium. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So you're actually yeah. making a fertilizer... And bones, adding in those, and getting those, the, yeah. getting it all right, getting all the Put nutrients the bones, right. Yeah. Uh, to add yeah. those minerals into it, yeah. into our final yeah. you know, biochar. It's also a good way to get rid of that waste that is very difficult to to process. Yes. So putting all of that into the biochar actually regenerates then the soil eventually. Yeah, amazing. Because the, um, the orange skins themselves are a bit tricky with the worms not liking them. and Yeah. Pig, and we don't have pigs. So. Yeah, yeah. So the size of our property is one, one hectare. hectare, just to give a bit of context, yeah, context to this. Yeah. And the house also um, was hand built. Exactly, yeah. So rammed rammed so, earth and yeah, yeah. lots of timber. Yeah. And most of the products are sourced locally. So all the timber has been sourced locally. And of course, the earth, wood shavings for the earth walls. and uh, within, within 10 kilometers locally. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So I guess this leads in quite nicely to uh, the why question. Like, what you're doing is amazing, and I think that um, most people are on the page of, yeah, good on you, that's great, good for you, you've decided to do this thing, and why not, that's great. But uh, do you have a, do you feel like this is something that more people, like that it's something that people should be doing, or just that it's a nice to have? Um. Personally, I think that there are a lot of people moving in this direction just because they're realizing kind of what's happening around the world. And um, you see more people moving out of Auckland, you know, for a few reasons. But um, <clears throat> the valley that we live in here, the Wadatuna Valley, has um, grown. A lot of people coming out of Hamilton wanting to have lifestyle blocks. And as they set up their lifestyle blocks, they are considering, hopefully, you know, sustainable living. Mm. So Mm. I think that there is a movement with that Mm. um, Mm. at the moment. And the why, for me, um, I work for a climate, climate change company. And I've been working there for just about 10 years. And I... I attempted in the beginning to do big global things, which I realized that... <laughs> has you know, mental health. <laughs> yeah, moving that and shifting that and just getting, you know, getting a momentum with other people coming along. It was a little bit more difficult. So um, after, you know, doing a f- quite a few courses, um, realizing that kind of it, it really starts in 
at the zone zero, like where you are, and building up from from your property, and then with your neighbors, and then with your community, and with your family, you know, to be be able to support the family from home, be able to have a place where they can come back any time, which we saw this year. Mm, mm. So being self sufficient and being able to feed them, to host them, to give them work. Because you know, there's always work around mm. the section, not having to go anywhere. It's <laughs> a great goal. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I think that's a kind of trying to future proof it. Yeah, yeah. And with and with that, they're also learning. Yeah. About well, that's being great because you you guys yeah. do um, have courses come through yeah. and um, woofers. There's there's a lot of learning that goes on here. So, um, if if I were to build a house um, without giving it too much thought. Um, my wood would be probably pinus radiata and be treated. Um, and goodness knows where the inputs would come from. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have any idea what the carbon footprint of those materials would be. So um, was that a motivation for you guys, like trying to avoid some of those outcomes? Yes, there was. And, I mean, we were lucky that we were able to collect lots of the building materials like years before. So we blend like, you know, 10 years before that we knew we were going to build something, we we're going to, you know, so we, I could, you know, travel around, look around the area for farmers that had Great. timber, microcarpal, uh, yeah. local, yeah. and then just bought those off and then uh, stored them until it was ready and Great. put through the sawmill. Yeah. So time is a big issue, mm, I think. That's mm, what lots mm, of people don't have the time. Mm, mm. So we were lucky that... Yeah. And with with the clay, um, when we were when I was driving up, um, getting milk locally because we source our milk locally, um, I noticed that they were rejig- rejigging the road up the road, and I kind of made friends with the digger oh, man. Oh, really? Yeah, uh. and he was moving a lot of clay around and I said oh you know where you, wh- what are you doing with that clay and he's like oh you know do you want some I said yeah I'll take two ton truckloads at my house if you wouldn't mind dropping it off <laughs> so initially it was to to make pottery but it ended up actually being our clay walls so wow the clay just came up from up the road yeah it's um you've got I mean, obviously, buying the land is, is a barrier for a lot of people, but that can depend on where you are, too, where you decide to place yeah. yourself, basically, in relation to Auckland. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, so I think that there are options to get the land in a way that's pretty affordable. Mm. Um, and then, I, I definitely have a bias on the show of trying to uh, promote sustainability in a way where there's just stuff that you can do. You don't have to upheave your life. You don't have to yeah. move to the country, you know. But on the other hand, I, it's really nice to stop and just look at some options mm. as well and some examples. And that you say it takes time. So this can be about planting seeds for people, exactly. or you know, there'll be some or a lot of people who are really happy in the urban environment, and that's that's fantastic. We can't you know have us all sprawling everywhere we really need both we really need balance exactly um and but then there'll be other people listening that actually are going oh yeah this is something that i could be interested in and i think that you're modeling a pretty low carbon footprint lifestyle by applying some basic principles would you say yes what so you sort of mentioned like you've mentioned the 10 kilometer radius so is that like buying local that that concept yeah, well, it's it's growing, 
growing on the property is the first yeah, one. Yeah, that's good actually, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah, buy local. It's like, yeah, one bit is like to grow your own or whatever. Like dinner last and, night, yeah, for example. Yeah, yeah. And speaking to the community, you know, there's always people out there that have resources, yes. but they're not necessarily putting them out. So if you yeah. talk to people like, for example, trees and or, you know, hay for the gardens, there's always somebody that has some things around, but you just have to talk and mm. To mm. meet the people because... So we we traded the hay that went into the compost yesterday for seedlings that I raised. Yeah. And today we're going at 10 o'clock and collecting bamboo from up the road. From someone who's going, oh yeah. my goodness, look at this bamboo. It's yeah. out of control. And, the, um, and also I started a little bit of a um, uh, collecting empty toilet paper rolls and ice cream containers I from people. I have seen a few. Yeah, that's all around right. yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the driveway there's a there's a red bin that people just throw those in there and then I then use those to create the seedlings that I turn around and trade with other people. So around the around the principles of of the way that we're acting and the way that we're living, um, they're uh, they're grounded in regenerative Development and permacultural principles. Yeah. So fair share. Fair share. Earth care. People care. Mm. So in and around, you know, especially with the interns that coming on, we're we're sharing our home, we're sharing our knowledge, we're sharing our food, we're sharing pretty much everything, and developing those people to then go go on to throughout the world mm. and throughout New Zealand mm. to mm. carry those sustainable practices of you know you washing the dishes in a bin rather than having to tap running have running Simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so and the earth care is about building building the soil mm. Mm. ah building the soil yeah i did notice you've got some it looks like this incredibly rich volcanic brown ready brown soil but you've more have you actually what is the soil like here did you make that or has it, were you blessed with it? Well, it's been built up, I think, because yeah. in the beginning we did have pigs for quite a while, and we moved our pigs and and the sheep and the sheep and the chickens. So it's like yeah. following you go pig, you know, yeah. sheep, pig, yeah. chicken yeah. Yeah. that that helps spread and and build up that soil um, underneath that. So we've built up the soil quite a bit underneath, probably about how much how much would that be? Fifteen uh, centimeters. Yeah, so ever un, under that is actually clay. So it's like the clay okay, that, yeah. that are in the walls. So. so if people want to learn, because even though I have a permaculture farm myself and I've been doing this, trying to do this for a couple of years, I'm listening, going, "Oh my gosh, it's so much to to learn." Uh, how would people? If, how do people find out more? Like if you don't know anything and you buy yourself a bit of land, how do you? How do you take the right steps so that you are doing things sustainably? Because um, how do you know? Like You meet local people. There's always organization and groups, you know, like GropSwap, for example. I think you can explain that where you can, you know, we met lots of people in GropSwap. Yeah, great. That, you know, started coming out here to see what we're doing. And, you know, that's a good way. Yeah, we were talking to Liz about CropSwap. She was explaining that. Um, and then there's, are there like places online or national organizations? Well, personally, I would kind of start with the local, inf- the local environment center. Yep. And the local information center, because the environment center will connect you up with loads of people who have knowledge in the community. 
um, like the Whangaroa Environment Centre. Yeah, yeah. um, and then you'll, you'll um, make connections within your community um, in the valley here. You know, we want to we want to know what grows well. Yeah, um, it's yeah, and you, of course you can Google it. I mean, if you're looking for permaculture, I would look at the National Permaculture Body, Permaculture in New Zealand, which is permaculture.org.nz. <laughs> Great. Another aspect that um, we did, we've touched on with others is this amazing document here, which I know you're really familiar with, the Raglan Naturally, and. Uh, I know that because you, you were saying um, just before that this is something that is really integral to the way you live. And I, I, there we go, you hold it. <laughs> and just, just tell us, if you can, just tell us a little bit about how you've interacted with it, both in terms of it forming, but yeah. also in how it sort of impacts your actual day-to-day life. Oh, okay. So initially, the the first Raglan Naturally document um, was developed as I was managing the information centre in Raglan. So when people, new people came to the community, um, I, I gifted that document to people so they understood what community they were coming in. Wow. Um, and the, the way that document was uh, developed was through community consultation. Um, with this, the new document that's just come out over the past, um, over the past two years, um, the development is, it's really entrenched with community develop community led community development. So I'd when have to say. new people are moving to town, they're getting this document. Um, well, they have access yes, to they it. Have access yeah, to it. yeah, through through the. I think it, there's a downloadable one on um, the Waikato District Council website. Um, with the way the document was developed. Um, was through a lot of consultation process. So um, basically the community who had interest or had experiences in all of these different areas like education, natural environment, transport, youth, they, they all formed subgroups. So this was actually kind of birthed out of the people who have passion about it Um, and then and then they formulated they took the old document and adapted and formulated for this new time that we're in and did you input into this um yes i um i supported gabrielle way back in the beginning when she started out um in and around facilitation um uh, participatory techniques and also um kind of gave her a lot of resources that she could use with with looking at developing the document in a regenerative way. Mm. Um, I went to most of the meetings in the beginning, um, and I input in as part of the natural environment through the Whangaroa uh, the Environment Center. Um, I have a little bit of interest in arts because I'm a potter here, and... Um, yeah, so probably going to the to the meetings, also the Treaty of Waitangi workshop. That was a, that was an amazing opportunity, that was brought about through the development of this. That that was open to the community. So, mm. yeah, yeah, because this is um, it's pretty special. It is just special. to see the place in your heart that it that it has, and um, that's that's reflective of a lot of people in this community and it's a community-led document that has been 
adopted officially yeah. by the council for this document to be the council's long-term plan for this area, um, which is an amazing achievement. And then, so on a day-to-day basis, is there are things in the back of your mind when you're making a decision or where you're going to put your energy into something? Yeah, well, I mean, we have a son that's 15 years old. So mm. um, thinking about, you know, youth and what opportunities available for him to go do stuff in mm. Raglan mm. or um, the the natural environment, of course, um, uh, that's in and around um you know, growing things and sharing things. Um, seed banking, for example. Mm. Um, so if you've got an idea um, and you can find how it relates to the plan, then it is more likely that you'll find support for that idea or oh, funding. Or, yeah, of yeah. course. Has this actually opened up a bit of funding? And uh, Yes. Yeah, okay. It has, yeah. It's a message of hope because it is. It, when you look at how these things start, it's you know community halls that are usually a bit too cold and and empty feeling and you you people meet and it's really in faith yeah uh, that people take those first actions yeah um and, and a lot of, yeah. a lot of people have passion in yeah. Raglan yeah and they have a, a lot of passion towards connection mm. and working together mm. in mm. order to achieve things and support and encourage other people mm. Beautiful document. It is. It's written in plain English. Um, very it's simple to understand. The person who, who did all of the graphics and laid this out, yeah, very, very impressed with the work. Um, so I've got this thing at the moment where we're exploring an idea around um, the self-sufficiency is a term that we're so familiar with. And like you mentioned, the dinner we had last night was just like, all off your hectic. Except the salt, mm. of course. Except the salt. So we had lamb, we had... Uh, Potato, pumpkin, pumpkin uh, lots of leafy greens, um, uh, all sorts. Yeah, other things. Yeah, the eggs. The milk yeah. came from home the brew. Yeah, yeah, home, home brew. brew. Yeah, you've got growing hops. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've got self-sufficiency. Um, but then how are you interacting or how important is it to you to actually interact with your community and start looking at community sufficiency? Because that's really what we've been mm. talking to people about um, well, since we've been here. Yeah. So I think that's really important. I think that that actually kind of builds resilience within a space. Mm. Um, my interactions are in and around going to crop swap and bringing all the excess kind of I overbring things, <laughs> mm. um, and also using the um, the time bank. Time banking is quite um, oh, great. active yeah, we've, here. We've in, spoken in about it, but yeah. yeah, I haven't actually ever been part of a time bank. Oh. So that's just where you basically donate an hour, and then and, and yeah. you kind of get a, a dollar hour or something, and then so, you can spend it with yeah, yeah. with the environment center. They they kind of hold the time bank. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sat on on the committee of the environment center, and every hour that I put in for being the treasurer and um, going to meetings, I got a time bank credit. Great. And then... It's better than the usual volunteer <laughs> deal, isn't yeah, it? It's totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And um, with those time bank credits, I, um, I spend them by having people come to the house and help. I, I've got these square magazine um, uh, pieces of paper, yes. and I get people to come, and we have afternoon tea, and everyone folds seed packs so basically, that's how I'm spending my time bank. 
um, connecting with the community. So I'm, I'm interested in the circular economy. And um, I'm starting with my close friends at the moment. Um, over the past five years, I've been giving them vegetables, and and now they're starting to slowly start growing their own food. So I'm giving them seedlings, and you know, just kind of giving, giving, giving. And um, I guess when you guys were out interviewing, um, Kim came in, our, mm-hmm. our friend. Uh, she came in with some some duck. And mm. she traded for some mm. pumpkin. pumpkin yeah. mm. mm-hmm. So you paid that forward. You you yeah. were trying. You were actually actively encouraging your friends to uh, get this idea in their head of swapping. Yes. Yeah. It's and great. It's starting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's funny, you know. I feel it myself too. Like. Um, there's uh, a orange orchard that's really near us. It used to be commercial, but you know it's just now someone owns it, and, and they just basically give the oranges away to people in the community. And I was there picking oranges for an event that we were hosting, and um, I was thinking to myself, "Oh, we really need to grow some of our own oranges trees, you know, so I'm not reliant on these guys." And then I was like, "Why? Why am I thinking along exactly. those lines? Like maybe I could be thinking more of." Well, yeah. What have we got that we can give these mm. guys? Um, what do they need? Which is a hard one because often, like people, like it's very hard to bring a gift. Uh, yeah. You, you know, you got so much. But actually, we all uh, kind of it's like that's globally. That's the idea that we've been working on for quite a while with capitalism is this idea of specialization and you know we don't all have to do all of the things and, and the efficiency of that and it's like clearly there's some issues with that uh on that scale mostly I guess because of the carbon yeah. footprint of it but locally it's it's got a whole new ring to it the idea of this resilience and mm. that you know we can set up some quite intentional swaps like grow something and then a few years later reap the benefits of that I'll just give an example about community support Um, during lockdown um, all of the seeds were sold out in the shops and all of the seedlings were sold out in the Mm. shops and and people were, were getting a bit anxious so you know with all of that excess seeds that I that I collect around the property um I created all of those little packs oh great and um there's a little book swap up at the school so I kind of rearranged the book swap a bit and I had a whole section where I was gifting the seeds to the community for kind of like coming and get seeds Mm. and Mm. people really appreciated that Mm. you know they could they could start their their carrots or their you know they start that pre- I guess it was March, so it would be pre-winter garden yeah, just, stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, you really, you guys are really living the values mm. like this. It's it's that different value set with um, different goals, um, and it's really encouraging to um, just see those values coming through in a real, in a genuine working example. Um, actually, it's good. It's re- it's really good inspiration, I think, um, for for us all just to be. Um, mindful that this isn't well in some ways it's hard because it's different but in other ways it's just very natural Mm. and uh, if you allow yourself to have those relationships which for for a lot of us is actually quite a big step we are used to this idea of independence and um, earning my money and then shopping and yeah but I, I can see that it actually aside from our habits and our values or whatever it's it's really not the barriers aren't perhaps as entrenched as we think they are. 
and it's certainly an option, eh, for people who it is want to get option. out of the city. And mm. yeah, yeah. So yeah, do you just to finish off? Do you have any advice for people that are either are living urban and they're quite happy to remain urban, uh, but would like to take on a few things, um, mm. like easy well, wins out, or uh, come out and uh, you know you can have a piece of garden or come out in the weekend with somebody coming from Auckland coming down for the weekend just to see how we live and uh, you can make you know how we live you can make that in small scales too yes. at least a yeah. start yeah yeah and uh, but you just need to to learn first mm. so you know go out and find a little permaculture place and ask them if you can come in and learn from them that's so we great have, that's yeah. why we, yeah. we've got somebody coming next week and yeah. she's from Auckland yeah so scale is coming down for the weekend and yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not the be all and end all no. and then what about for people who are actually going yeah maybe this is me you know I can plan things and then make a move and be more uh, on say a hectare or something like that in the future um, are there pitfalls are there, are there, well, is there I, a dark side to this thing no. take it slow <laughs> yeah slow 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 solutions. yeah plan yeah yeah, yeah and plan, the observation so. i think is is one of the biggest ones and when we bought this property for two years we just were here observing mm. how the water moved and mm. how the sun mm. landed on the property i think mm. it's slow solutions and within any system because it's a systems driven you know interconnected systems looking at how the water moves across the property and if you make a change then observing that how that change happens so um it's not daunting if you take things easily slowly and just um react to the changes that you make yeah, and, and that gives you time to build those relationships exactly. in the community so yeah. it's like I can see like for someone like myself who doesn't know much about this stuff it's kind of the advice is almost like just don't do anything until you've got you've watched stuff happening yeah. and you've built some relationships yeah. and people can you know provide that support and the alpha around you yeah. yeah and just take as much on as you can do in that certain time you know I mean people are working full time we can't do everything what we're doing because you know we're both working part time so just you know step by step mm-hmm. and I think in people in urban situations they, they still can grow on their balconies there's a lot of growing that can be done yeah Yeah. and um like you know those big bins that we have out there cut in half with the oils in them you know and they can be building soil with having having just a small worm farm on their balcony Mm. so really that Mm. that that's Mm. that small space can actually also be beneficial Mm. and you know they can get there yeah, look around your neighborhood and see if somebody has a you know a lawn Share. that's maybe yeah. oh, yeah. or then you know sometimes oh. I've also been walking and uh, just have your eye out for someone's amazing looking garden you know and connect mm. with those people anyway thank you so much guys for hanging out with us and um, just being open about what you do and sharing your values with us yeah. and it's just really cool to have a example um to see the the positive sides of how happy you are and what a beautiful place you've created and and how open you are to sharing that with others. Mm. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming. Really enjoyed having you guys here. Oh, genuine pleasure. <laughs> yeah.